What a privilege, again, to be here to bring you the Word of God. Pastor Jeff called me yesterday. Matter of fact, I was, me and my wife were talking about church today, and I said, well, I think I'm going to go to an early service. My wife just had knee replacement surgery, so she's kind of learning how to walk on that new titanium knee. And uh, so I said, well, you're not going to go to church. I'll go to the early service to hear Pastor Jeff. About that time, I got a phone call from Pastor Jeff. And I said, well, I was just talking about you. I said, I'm planning to come to the first service. He said, good. He said, would you do something for me? I said, what's that? He said, would you preach for me tomorrow? He said, I've, it's been a while. He said, the last break I took, I think you, were, you preached for me. And it's been a few months. And I just need a break. And he had a lot going on with radio, doing 27 different intros for his radio program yesterday. And so I said, I'm ready. I'll do it. Uh, I made up my mind with the Lord. I used to have to say, well, let me pray about it. Let me see if I can get ready. But I just made up my mind as I'll share with you the scriptures in just a moment. I just want to be ready at all times. Be ready. When the Lord calls your name, you're ready. And so I was ready. And uh, matter of fact, I uh, thought I was coming here a few weeks ago to preach, but uh, that didn't work out. And I had been preparing this message uh, to preach here since several weeks ago. And I sense it's a word from the Lord, but I want you to do something. I had them do this in the first service. There's a reason for it. Get your phone. You got your phone? I know you do. What a crazy question that was. Take your phone out. Go ahead and open it up. I want you to text a family member or friend. And I want you to say, hey, I'm in church. I was just thinking about you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. That's all you have to do. We're not condemning them for not being here, but we're just letting them be aware of where you are. You're in church. Now, let me tell you, one of the reasons I did this, because I got a message this morning from a friend of mine in India. We were conversing online. And I said, well, I'm preaching at Turning Point Family Church today. I said, Saju, why don't you join us? And as I was coming out, I received a text message from him. He said, send me a link, I'll join in. So I sent him the link. Saju, if you're watching all the way in India, God bless you. Bishop Shem, if you're listening in Africa, God bless you. I was in Africa a few weeks ago, and the pastors there said, you know, we tune in to some of the services. We're ahead of you, and we're through with our services, and we tune in to see what's going on in churches that we're connected to. And so just think about how awesome that is. I'm sitting here in Fort Worth, Texas, and we're communicating with India right now, with Africa, all over the world. The Lord spoke to me several weeks ago, and I shared this in the first service, that the Lord spoke to me about this church, that this church has a voice. I know your pastor has a voice, a radio voice. If you came to hear Pastor Jeff... Uh, please come back. He will be back this Wednesday night, next Sunday. But he has a voice that goes 
around the nation, literally around the world. A voice on the radio and a voice that's about to increase with the new television studio that he's building. But the Lord was speaking to me, not only does Pastor Jeff have a voice, but everyone in this church has a voice. Pastor Ronnie has a voice. God brought him in here to develop the voice of worship that's going to come out of this house. Pastor Ray's got a voice that children are going to hear and be drawn to. Pastor Jonathan's got a voice. But each one of you, you have a voice. John the Baptist, it says, he was a voice crying out in the wilderness. Our world needs not just any voice. They need to hear the voice of the Lord. There are many voices. Oh, there's a lot of chatter, isn't there? Going on that we listen to constantly. But when the voice of the Lord speaks, remember Elijah in that cave and the earth shook? God wasn't in the earthquake. The winds blew, God wasn't in that. But then there came a still, small voice. And God spoke to Elijah. You have a voice. And there's people in your world that need to hear you speak of the things of God. Somebody in this room today or watching us online, you need to hear it. Jesus loves you. You need to hear that. I mean hear that. Hear. Not just hear. But hear it here. Jesus loves you. You're precious to Him, the Bible says. He's honored you. He wants to take away any shame you may have. He says, I'll take away your shame. And I'll give you my honor. I'll lift you up to a higher level. And I just sense somebody need to hear that this morning. Because you're much needed. He needs you in His kingdom. He needs you. He needs your voice. You'll hear people will hear you that will never hear me. Will never hear Pastor Jeff. I was standing in the altar when I was visiting one Sunday, and this happened to me twice. Two different ladies came into the altar and wanted to meet Pastor Jeff. One of them said, Pastor Jeff, I've got to tell you, I was in prison. I heard your radio broadcast. And I gave my heart to the Lord. They moved me to another prison and I took my radio and I, it was hard, but I finally found you on one of the stations somewhere. And I want you to know, I've been listening to you. My life's been changed. And when I got out, one of the first things I want to do is come, Turning Point Church, and meet you. That happened to me twice right here. I saw those two ladies. Both of them had been in prison or been in jail. And because of the voice that goes across the radio waves, their lives were changed. That's just two that testified. How many more can testify of that? Well, today I believe that the Lord sent me here 
with a word from him. Not my word. This is his word. And I want to remind you of what he has to say to you today and to us as a church. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Thank you, Pastor Ronnie. Matthew chapter 24. We will kind of rehearse this particular chapter together because I have something I trust you'll walk away with. I want you to walk away with something. I don't want you to leave here and just say, oh, wasn't that a good I've left services before. And somebody said, well, what did the preacher say? Boy, I don't know, but it was good. Well, what, what was it about? Well, I, I don't remember, but it sure felt good. But they just didn't remember. Well, I want you to remember. I want you to get something you can carry out with you. Because I want you, here's what I want you. I want you to take one thing away for yourself today. And I want you to take one other thing that you can give away to somebody else. One thing for yourself and one thing to give away to someone else. I believe the Lord will speak to you. I believe the anointing of God is in this place and He will speak. Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And His disciples came to show Him the buildings of the temple. They began to show him Herod's great temple he had built for the Jewish people, the great buildings all around Jerusalem at that time. And Jesus said to his disciples, Do you see all these buildings, all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. He was prophesying about what was going to happen in Jerusalem. It happened in 70 A.D. They made their way through the city of Jerusalem and made it to the Mount of Olives. As they came and they all sat down, in verse 3 it says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age. They wanted to know when is this all going to happen? When are you going to return? When are you going to come again? That's something all we all want to know, don't we? When is Jesus going to come? Now, the disciples weren't through with this. In Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus is about to leave them. He's been resurrected. He's about to go to heaven he tells his disciples, man, I, I need you to go to Jerusalem and just wait. Because the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit upon you. You're going to gain some power. And what was their response? Lord, is this it? Is this the time you're going to restore Israel to its rightful place of authority on this earth? Jesus said to them, amen. That's not your concern. That's something the Father has in His own power and authority. I just need you to go wait, because I'm about to send you some power. Then I need you to be my witnesses. Some of you may remember this. In 1988, how many old enough to remember 1988? Some of you are not old enough to remember 1988. I remember 1988. 
1988, uh, a lot of great things were going on in the kingdom of God. I mean, great things were happening. There was an excitement in the air. Many people knew that the Lord Jesus was going to come and come soon. There was a NASA engineer, also a Bible teacher, who wrote a little booklet. Some of you may remember this booklet. 88 Reasons Why the Rapture is Going to Take Place in 1988. You may remember that. And he gave 88 reasons why he felt like the rapture was going to take place in 1988. And I'm sure he was very sincere. He'd studied the Jewish calendar and he just knew that Rosh Hashanah that year, within that three-month span, the rapture of the church is going to take place. Well, 1988 came and 1988 went. And he came back and he said, oh, I made a mistake. It's going to be 1989. Now, let me tell you what happened in 1988. In 1988, he printed about 4 million copies of that book. Sent out about 300,000 to pastors all over our nation. TBN did a special, How to Prepare for the Rapture. Many people got sucked into that. In the sincerity of their hearts, I really believe it. But many people sold their homes, maxed out their credit cards, getting everything they needed as they waited on the rapture of the church. Some went off to the mountains with friends as they waited for the rapture of the church. Well, it didn't happen. And he said, I made a miscalculation. It's going to be in 1989. 1989 came and went. Oh, I meant 1993. Oh, no, no, no. It's 1998. Well, after 1988 took place, he didn't get many takers after that. But how many remember Y2K? Year 2000. Now, man, I just had it in my thinking, in my mind. Lord, I know you're going to come back, at least by the year 2000. There's no way. Look at the mess this world's in. You're sure going to come. The year 2000? Many people stood in great fear. I stood in great anticipation. Is this it, Lord? Are you going to come? I actually stayed up till midnight. (laughs) Waiting on the trumpet sound. Well, here we are 22 years later. And we're still here. But you know what I know? Jesus is coming again. We all ask the question, Lord, when are you going to come? But I want you to ask yourself another question. It's not, when is he going to come? The question is, what are you going to be doing when he comes? Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 24. Now, the first thing 
Jesus told his disciples as they were asking him, when are you going to come? Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? He said, take heed that no one deceives you. What was he telling us? It it, it will be easy to be deceived about his coming again. And many people have been. Many people are being deceived about his coming again. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. I'm the anointed one and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. See that you are what? Not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. How many of you wake up every morning and you hear of wars and rumors of wars? We hear what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and the rhetoric that's going on about war that may be coming our way. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, where famine means scarcity of food. Anybody recently ever gone to the grocery store and saw a scarcity of items? That used to be just things you just go and drop in your basket. I'm not a good grocery shopper. My wife, and all, during COVID, I was the grocery shopper. I couldn't stay in the house. I'll go buy groceries. But man, I would go, I bought all kinds of things. Things we didn't need, but I bought it because I thought, I might need that. (laughs) Then I went back one day, and I looked at some of the shelves, and they were empty. What? What I usually got was gone. Strange how people begin to hoard certain things. Toilet paper, one of them. But it says there will be scarcity of food. There will be pestilence. COVID-19 has raised its ugly head one more time. There will be earthquakes in various places. Let me say something about this old world we're living in. According to the book of Romans, our earth is having a nervous breakdown as it awaits the revealing of the sons of God, as it awaits the coming of the Lord. Earth is shaking and quaking, fires and tornadoes and earthquakes. Man, I mean, all kinds of things going on. Every morning I wake up and I hear something new happening in this world we live in. And he said this, all these things are the beginning of sorrows or birth pains. When a woman gives birth to a baby, she has birth pains. And the closer she gets to giving birth, what happens? The pains get greater, greater, and more intense. Now, I I know that because my wife told me. I was in the delivery room when she began to have intense birth pains. And she was not happy. She was not happy with me when I just said, just breathe, Susan. We went to class. She was not happy with her doctor. When he said, it's going to be fine. You're about to give birth to a baby. She just said, all I want to do is slap him. Well, let me just say, the birth pains are getting closer and closer together. I've always made this statement. I always wanted to live in the end times. When I, always growing up, I'd see end time movies. I was, I want to be alive then. And here we are. I don't like it. I don't like these end times. Why? 
Listen to it. Ooh, this is a promise. You don't even have to claim it, but going to happen. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation. And some of you are going to face death. And you will be hated by all nations. Why? For my name's sake. Because we are followers of Jesus. Because we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We say Jesus is the only way. I will say this. All roads, every religious road you can think of, all roads, even the road of atheism, will one day lead to God. Only one road is going to lead to heaven. And his name is Jesus. And because we are connected to him and he lives in us and we're proclaiming this, what we say, and it is good news. He says, you're going to be hated. People aren't going to like you. I didn't think that was possible in the world I grew up in. But I see it's possible now. I was watching, and I, I kind of stay away from the news, but I was watching some of the news the other day. I was watching some of the January 6th, whatever they're calling it, and the trial that's going on. and They showed a clip, or I saw a clip of some of the rowdies, I'll call them, who entered the Capitol building. They stood behind the podium. Some of the, I don't know exactly what to call them, but the rowdies. And you know what they did there? They began to pray. They went and talked to Jesus. But it was not in a, the way you talked to Jesus this morning, it was more in an angry way. Then it slipped over to the others that were out in Washington, D.C. in a worship service. And they had their hands lifted up. Some were on their knees. Some were weeping. And they were worshiping God with a heart of thanksgiving. But then I began to listen to some of the reports, and I see that they begin to lump all of the Christians into one category. It was not the peaceful, worshiping God category. It was this angry mob over there. They said, see, we told you. It used to be being a Christian was kind of an honor. I'm a believer. I grew up as a believer. All my teachers... When I was in school, they went to church. We didn't do anything on Wednesday night because it was church night. And I would read all these things in the scriptures and say, how can that happen, man? Being a Christian is not so bad. There was a Jesus movement swept across our nation. And, and everybody, it was on Time Magazine, Live Magazine, everybody was worshiping. It was awesome. But things have turned over. Now you say you're a Christian, and you, they say, oh, yeah, one of those, huh? Well, let me just say, I'm a Christian, and I'm proud of it. I'm glad Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Well, many will be offended and will betray one another. 
That word betray one another means they'll snitch on one another. You may remember in New York City during COVID when they had such an outbreak and, and they put down some rules in New York that we're not going on anywhere else, but I mean strict rules. You can't get out of your house. You can't have family gatherings. You can't do these things. And then they put out this word, heard it with my own ears. If anyone sees anyone breaking these rules, I want you to snitch on your neighbor. Snitch on your family. We'll give you a little reward. And I read this, that it says that they will betray one another. They'll snitch on one another. That's happening in the day and age we're living in. They'll hate one another. Have you seen so much hate in this nation of ours? It's hard sometimes not to keep that hate from getting in your heart, even as a believer. I said, Lord, help me. I sent something stirring up in me I don't like. They'll hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. Have you seen the love of many growing cold? How can any person, young or old, go into a school or go into a grocery store, take a weapon, and just kill individual people? Lawlessness will abound. The love of many is grown cold. You know what it's preparing the way for? The lawless one to come and sit on his throne. It's happening. It's right here. But Jesus said, he who endures to the end will be saved. Here's the good news. I like this one. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. Then... The end will come. Oh, I love that promise. And I want to be a part of the company that's preaching the good news in all the world before Jesus comes again. Now, we continue to read chapter 24, and I won't take time to read all of chapter 24 and chapter 25. But Jesus did say of that day and that hour, when I'm going to return, it's not for you to know. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. He's the only one that knows. So don't you worry about when I'm going to come. He said, just know this, just like it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. What were, they're just going about business, going about their life. Then judgment came. Noah preached. No one heard his voice. He said, just like that, it's going to be just like that. Therefore, he said, I need you to be ready. As I said at the beginning of this service, I don't want to have to get ready. I want to be ready. How about you? I want to be ready. He said, I'm going away. There was a man who said his master was going away. And he said, when he returns, if I can find his servants giving food to my people, I hope I can find them doing that when I return. Then he begins to tell these stories. He told the story of the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. He said five wise virgins who were waiting on the coming of the bridegroom took their 
oil lamps and filled them up and had a little extra and went waiting for the bridegroom. Five foolish servants just had enough oil, just enough to get by. Then all of a sudden the trumpet sounded. And the five wise servants got up, trimmed their lamps, and they were ready for the coming of the bridegroom. The five foolish servants realized, "Uh uh-oh, we're out of oil here. They went to the five wise virgins and said, hey, give us a little bit of your oil. Oh, we don't have enough for you and us. you got to go back to town. you got to get yourself ready. But while they were gone, what happened? The bridegroom came. And the wise virgins, who had enough oil in their lap, got to enter into the joy of that marriage supper of the Lamb. And so I'm saying, I want to be one of those. That I've got enough oil in my lap that it's going to continue to burn. Even if it seems like Jesus' delaying is coming. And the only reason he's delaying is coming, he's giving us more time to get the message out. It's the only reason he's delayed is coming. He goes on to say in verse 13 of chapter 25, Watch therefore, for you do not know neither the day nor the hour which the Son of Man is coming. For the kingdom is like, then he says this, there was a man traveling into a far country, owner of some land, traveling into a far country. And he said he brought his servants together, and he gave one of his servants five talents. He said, now I'm going to give you these five talents. I want you to do with these what you're supposed to do with these. And I'll reward you when I come back. Brought one man to him. He said, I'm going to give you two talents. You just go and do what you're supposed to do with those two talents. Gave one one talent. Said, now you take this talent. Go do what you're supposed to do with that talent. Then the master of the house returns. And he begins to look for his servants. Where are they? And he calls his servants to him. He said, now, I gave you five talents. What did you do with the five talents? Well, man, let me tell you what I did. I got five more talents. You gave me five. I went and traded. Man, I went and worked. I got five more talents. He said, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in to the joy of your Lord. One with two, he said, what did you do with the two I gave you? Oh, master, I doubled it. I got two more. He said, come on in to the joy of your Lord. And the one with one talent, he said, hey, where's the one with one? Oh, there you are. What'd you do with the one talent I gave you? Oh, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. You reap where you didn't sow. You're difficult on your service. Now, that tells me he really didn't know his master. But the master said, well, if you thought I was that way, if I was hard, what did you do with my talent? Well, I went and buried it. I'll go get it for you. No, why didn't you take that talent? At least give it to the bankers so I could get some interest on my money. He said, take the talent away from him, give it to the one that has the most, and take that servant, cast him out to outer darkness. I want to be a part of the one that has five talents, that doubles what he has, or two talents and doubles what he has. How about you? My question is, it's not, when is Jesus going to come? Question I want you to ask yourself, what am I going to be doing when he comes? Will I be about the Father's business? Will I be occupying till he comes? Jesus said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day, because there's coming a night when no one can work. 
Jesus has called all of us to do something. Now, I don't do something to earn my salvation, but I do something because I'm saved. And because I want to see other people in heaven with me. What are you going to be doing when Jesus returns? Let me just give you a few examples of things you can be doing. Jesus came to do what? Seek and save the lost. You know what we need to be doing? We need to be out seeking those that are lost. They're not hard to find. They're everywhere. And we need to be sharing with them the good news of Christ, that Jesus came to save the lost, heal the sick. What did Jesus do? He says, I've anointed to preach the gospel. I've been sent to heal broken hearts. There are broken hearts all around us. I've been sent to tell the captive that they can be free. I've been sent to tell people that are blind, been blind by the enemy, that they can recover their sight. I've been sent to proclaim this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the time of God's grace. We're in a season of grace. Do you know that? It's coming a season of judgment. But right now, it's a season of grace. Jesus has called us to be full of grace. Jesus said, there's going to come a day when I'm going to call all nations to myself. They're going to line up before me. I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. I'm going to look at the sheep and I'm going to say, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you came to visit me. When I was in prison, you showed up. And they said, Lord, when did we do that? He said, when you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Come and enjoy all that I have. Then he looked at the goats. He said, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. When I was a stranger, you didn't take me in. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was sick, you didn't visit me. When I was in prison, you didn't come to me. Well, when did we not do that, Lord? When you didn't do it to the one of the least of these, my brother. You didn't do it to me. So you'll be out of my presence forever. Can I say something to us, church? We got to be about the Father's business. We've got to be about doing what Jesus was doing when he walked this earth. And we've got to be, which we are, the restraining force against evil on this earth. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says, the lawless one is on his way. He's going to be revealed. The Antichrist is going to be revealed. But right now, he's being restrained. And you know what's restraining him? We are. The church being salt and being light. The church being full of the Holy Spirit. We're restraining the Antichrist from being revealed right now. And as long as we're here, we've got to be that restraining force. We've got to be resisting the devil. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence sometimes got to take it by force. We've got to push back by force. And we've got to remember who we are. We are the church. 
We are the body of Christ. We are the bride getting ready for her bridegroom. We are the church. Jesus already told us that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We are the force that's holding back evil right now. And as long as we're here, there's hope. But one day the church is going to be raptured. And you're talking about all hell breaking loose. You think it's bad now. Think about it. If we weren't here worshiping God, sharing the love of Jesus with others, being light in the midst of darkness, being hope in a hopeless situation. But as long as we're here, I said, Lord, as long as I'm here, as long as you allow me to live on this earth, I want to be a part of the restraining force. I want to resist the evil. I want to remember who I am in you. The greater is he that's in me than he that's within the world. Jesus is going to come again. No doubt about it. I'm going to make myself ready. I'm going to be ready. But I'm not going to hide back. Oh, please come, Lord. Get us out of this mess. I'm going to move forward, taking the kingdom of God as far as I can, for as long as I can, with the power of God dwelling in me. God's called you to do the same. God's called you to do the same. What's God called you to do? You've got to ask yourself that question. Lord, what have you called me to do? Ask yourself that question. I've been asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you want me to do. I went to Africa. A few weeks ago, I had told the Lord, Lord, I think these overseas trips are a little too much for me. I'm getting older. It's hard flying. It's hard doing the preaching you have to do. And I think I'll just save that for the young people. And the Lord convicted me one morning when I was in prayer. He said, I said, Lord, extend my territory. He said, well, you got to let me use you then. You put some binders on me. I can't use you the way I want to use you. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I got a call that week. Can you go to Africa? I said, absolutely I can. And you just got to say to the Lord, whatever you need me to do. Because I want to stand before him. And he looks at me and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's all join, be a part of that day. How about it? Let's stand together. Lord, we stand in this place. Lord, I'm looking out on this congregation and realize I see the church here. Lord, I see people who have been born again. They waited on you and you filled them with the Holy Spirit. You gave them power to do things that they could not do on their own.
And Lord, we're asking you to show us, Lord, what do you want us to do? That's the question. Lord, we're grateful that you're going to come and I believe come soon. But until you do, Lord, we're going to be about your business. We're going to occupy till you come. We're going to push back evil. We're going to declare the grace and the goodness of God to everyone who's in our little world. And Lord, I pray that you would show us, each and every one of us, what we're to do and what we can do together. In Jesus' name, amen. God has made you a part. Go ahead, give him a clap offering. The Lord has made you a part, many of you that are members here at Turning Point Church, part of a family that's doing something. Pastor Jeff is doing something. He's occupying. He's speaking the Word of God all around the world. That ministry is about to increase with a new television studio. But he's not just going to be hiding out. You're not going to be hiding out. You're going to help him and We all together are going to do what God's called us to do for the glory of God. Are you ready? Just stay ready. So you don't have to run and get ready. You can stay ready for the glory of God. Amen. Lord, I thank you for the church. Lord, I thank you that you you prepared us, Lord, for this day, for this moment, for this hour, for these end times. We are alive now. Because you need us now, Lord. And Lord, we will do what you've called us to do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.